I have Dr. Daniel Sugai here. He is my mentor and a big brother to me and my go-to if I have a pimple. My personal dermatologist. It has been a year since me and Dr. Sugai is connected here on Instagram and so many great things has happened over the past year despite of what a very traumatizing year it has been for all of us. Everyone knows you on my profile. I post all the time about YouTube. And so I guess if people want to know is who are you, Dr. Sugai? guy. Yeah, I'm coming in from Seattle, Washington. I'm a board certified dermatologist. I'm from Hawaii originally. I did medical school out there and I wanted to do dermatology. Dermatology being a very ultra competitive specialty. So I applied, got in on my first shot and matched into dermatology at Harvard Medical School's hospitals. So I trained at Mass General, Brigham Women's, Beth Israel, Boston Children's. I was very fortunate to get a straight shot into medical school and into dermatology residency. I did four years of residency out there. And then now I'm doing private practice out in Bellevue, Washington, as well as Renton, Washington. So I do a mix of things. I do kids, I see adults, I do cosmetic surgery, medical dermatology. And when the pandemic hit, like Christian said, it was a very traumatizing, you know, rough time for all of us. I closed down clinic for a whole month of April and didn't see my patients. You know, I usually see about 35 patients a day. I had, I went to maybe two or three telemedicine patients. Yeah. And so I got to meet Christian here on Instagram, uh, which is great. And since meeting him, he's talked to me about, you know, you do great. Uh, doing a YouTube channel and it turned out 2020 was definitely the year of skincare and it was probably mm -hmm. the best decision, you know, teaming up with uh, Christian to make this YouTube channel and then subsequently doing TikTok and it's just really grown since then. So I just want to thank Christian for all of his help. Oh, He's been really great. Call my social media guardian angel. All of this stuff was new to me, me being like a dinosaur, I guess, you know, I'm in my thirties and Facebook was, you know, when I was in college, I had Facebook and Facebook was meant for college kids. That was for us. Yeah. We had to have a dot yeah. edu address to be, have facebook you know now there's kids and grandmas on it so i was in that generation and i just stuck with facebook i never had instagram until last yeah. year and um and then the youtube channel was definitely a steep learning curve so it's very good having christian there to like help me out and he's just doing a great job with uh, thumbnails and uh, <laughs> amazing the advice he gives so thank, thank you, you. It's not unknown to many that the road to medicine is long, it's arduous, a lot of money and debt involved. Can you tell us any advice that you might have for any pre-meds watching or even med students? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I just say don't fit into the cookie cutter mold of you have to have a 4.0 GPA in high school and <laughs> college and you have to score in the 95th percentile of your MCAT to get into medical school. You don't have to do bench research to get into medical school. You know, I didn't do any bench research applying into medical school and residency was very little. You know, I just did one mm -hmm. month uh, research elective at Wake Forest and, you know, I did a small little projects here and there, but nothing intense. You have your own story to tell. Go into any interview feeling like they're on the offense and they have nothing to lose and just sharing what's unique about you. Like for me, I, I minored in art in college and so mm -hmm. I had artwork to show up my interview. So that would be definitely a, a point for my story. I deal with a lot of doubters. Like people say, hey, you're from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. You went to public school. You didn't do well in your MCAT. So how are you going to do well in your, your board exam? All those things you're going to have to, you know, deal with. It. You just can't listen to the noise. You can't listen to the doubters. You just yeah. got to stick to your, to your guns. I'm proud to be from a small rural town of Oahu. And I didn't have any doctors in the family. But, you know, that I, I love t sharing my story that you don't have to have that 
perfect cookie cutter mold to get in. Yeah, it's very inspiring, even to me as someone who's pursuing the medical route. So thank you for saying that. And, yeah, and sure. we received a lot of very interesting and very mind-stimulating questions today. Yeah. And one of the main words that came up when I asked people questions to send to us for our dermatology session is okay. the idea of vanity. I feel like dermatology, it's very interconnected with the glitz and the glamour, with Botox, with fillers. And many people are forgetting the aspects about hair loss and skin cancer. And coming from a board-certified dermatologist as yourself, where do you draw that line between medicine and vanity? Yeah, for me in, in clinic, it's all about medical first, medicine first. I never like to push a patient into, you know, any selling them anything. I'm not a salesperson. I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm really, I'm a medical physician. So there are some dermatologists out there who are all about cosmetics and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But for me, I trained at a, a great institution where you get the best training in medical dermatology and that's my specialty. So I think a lot of my colleagues, my primary care colleagues refer their patients to me. They appreciate that I don't push cosmetics on them mm -hmm. at all. And if the patient has questions and we have time to talk about it at that visit, then we can talk about it or we can schedule another time to talk about skincare and then the glitzy mm -hmm. stuff, the, the Botox, the fillers, the chemical peels, which is great. But that's yeah. not my primary focus. On Instagram, though, it is fun to talk about because, you know, talking about surgery and trigger warning graphic content stuff, yeah. you know, it's not for everyone. Whereas the glitz and glam and talking about hyaluronic acid serums is much more appealing to the, to the masses. Yeah. So um, it might seem like I'm, we're geared more towards that, but actually a real life it's a very small percentage of my clinic time mm -hmm. actually a lot of this actually dealing with gruesome things you can imagine yes. this leg ulcers chronic venous stasis cellulitis cutaneous lymphoma and you name it skin cancers like you mentioned a lot of it's skin cancer and you know people are mentioning melanoma and stuff you know melanoma is a we don't mess around with melanoma it can be a very fatal condition it's the, one of the most uh, serious skin cancers one can get and we deal with that on a daily basis much more than i talk about ltmd or uh, vitamin <laughs> c serums right so like that that's just kind of like my break from clinic is to talk about a vitamin C yeah. serum, not what I talk about all day long. One of the nice questions that we've gotten was, what challenges have you faced as a man in dermatology? Oh, good question. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, medicine's a, a male-dominated field. Mm -hmm. But now in dermatology, it's a lot of it's female. And, and mm -hmm. that's great. You know, it's good to have great female representation. But for me, as a male dermatologist, it's actually guys will schedule with me more readily because they feel more comfortable doing mm -hmm. a full skin check with a male. But on the flip side, you might have females who would rather get Botox or fillers from, say, a female. My medical assistant did mention, you know, the patient wants to talk to about Botox, but she's surprised you do it because you're a male that you that you actually give Botox. Patients have this preconception that women are the ones that are the injectors, right. which is actually I say there is truth to that. You know, when we're in our cosmetics rotation and dermatology, they actually said look through magazines, look through you know the the, the magazines women are looking at. You know, uh, look at what's the aesthetics, the cheekbones, the the ratio of the upper lip to lower lip, mm -hmm. those things. So women are definitely more in tune to that, but. Males, we have to show that we can inject filler, Botox well too. So that's that was a hurdle. And you know, the guys with skincare, it's kind of stigmatized. Like these comments from people saying, thanks for normalizing skincare in men. Or I had, it was really heartbreaking to see one young fellow said, you know, this post is important to me because I feel like I have to hide my skincare in my bathroom. Otherwise my parents yeah. will judge me, which I thought was really sad. And I thought it was really honest, a really honest, pure comment that I appreciated. But I think a lot of guys feel that way. And so to yeah. have me actually have a video of me putting stuff on my yeah. face, not just talking about it means a lot. That's why as I browse through our old YouTube videos, during the first ones, we've seen the comments that it's so nice to see another man doing skincare in front of the mirror and not hiding it from anybody, specifically even as a male in dermatology. 
and Asian being yeah. on YouTube. It's nice to see people who look like you thriving and succeeding in the internet. Thanks for saying that. I love those comments too when they said yeah. that we love seeing Asian representation too. Yeah. And yeah. I actually gave a talk to a, a high school in Massachusetts. They were saying the same thing. You know, they said they want love seeing representation, skin of color yeah. on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. So I thought that was really that was really nice to hear from the high school students. And it just reminds yeah. me that we are impacting not just people our age or older, but also young minds who are interested yeah. in medicine. And so we do have a few topics for today um, that I structured based on the most questions that people have asked about. And since we talked about earlier about cosmetics and vanity, let's get them out of the way. This topic of Botox versus fillers, it's actually very interesting how much misconception and misinterpretation people have about these two. Not just being confused about it like, oh, I had Botox on my lips. I got fillers on my forehead. So Dr. Sagai, you are the master in this topic you have trained and educated for years for almost half of your life for this let's start with botox what is botox and what is it for yeah so botox is a neurotoxin there are different types of neurotoxins and there's xeomin dysport juvo but botox is just kind of that gold standard we all talk about and it's a neurotoxin that just takes away the muscle movement in your face or wherever you inject it and it's a safe medication that we give and it will last about three to four months and we use it for wrinkles due to facial movement say your forehead frown line the crow's feet around your eyes so those areas are very commonly injected to stop the movement of muscle it doesn't take away the sensory nerve so you still have sensation there you're not numb with botox mm -hmm. it's actually just to help decrease the movement if you want to be frozen we can do that but i don't usually advise to be completely frozen but even say getting it here you can still smile and have smiles with your with your mask mm -hmm. on it won't take that away it just will just soften it so you're not pulling the periocular muscles as strongly mm -hmm. something we give to females traditionally but males are getting it now and i call it brotox for short and yeah, brotox is definitely <laughs> Definitely picking up in uh, popularity. Guys like to get it here for sure, the forehead mm -hmm. lines. Now that we're doing Zoom much more, this is probably the first time in history where we're actually looking at ourselves while talking to yeah. someone else. People are actually really interested in also filler, and I guess we could talk about filler too. So filler is something that we would do for more wrinkles that are at rest, we call static wrinkles. People have really decreases, or they say the marionette lines, the smoker lines. Uh, I don't wanna say that you have to be a smoker to get it, but you know the lines, the vertical lines around the lips we can mm -hmm. soften those things with filler and that's nothing to do with the muscle it's just adding most caustic is hyaluronic acid which is a sugar found in our skin that draws in water and we're going to get it right in where we want it and just clumping up the area augment area certain structures like say your cheekbone the bone there will resorb with time so if you want to just rebuild that cheekbone you can put filler here that actually will lift things and soften this if you want a little bit of a lifting action you can definitely use filler for that Botox, if you get technical, it is botulinum toxin. Yes. It's a neurotoxin. And I think that's what scares a lot of people is the idea of toxin. Is it toxic? Is it dangerous? I have a lot of people who ask me, I'm scared to get Botox. Will it migrate? Will it alter my blood levels? It's safe. From what we know, it's not going to cause any systemic tetanus. You know, it's from Clostridium, you know, that can cause the paralysis. But, it, you know, as a toxin that you just inject small units into specific areas, it is safe. 
traditionally I say don't give it for uh, pregnant women, but now mm -hmm. the new studies have shown in neurology and such, they're using it for really bad headaches and pregnancy. So yeah. it's actually, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm going to uh, inject pregnant patients, mm -hmm. but I'm just <laughs> going to keep an eye on the, the new studies that it might be safe in pregnancy. And there's a lot of times when women, you hear about women who've gotten Botox and they found out they were actually pregnant mm -hmm. and then the pregnancy usually turns out fine. So mm -hmm. I'd say it's, it's from what we know, it's a safe medication to use. And in relation again to the concept of we were talking about vanity versus medicine, especially with Botox, those who have hyperhidrosis or those who have excessive sweating, they've been getting Botox. It's something that's very inflicting on someone's self-confidence and conscientiousness. It really goes way beyond than just the, I want to paralyze my wrinkles, my muscles. Exactly. Yeah. So it definitely affects the sweat ducts and the sweat channels. Mm -hmm. So, it, and you're like, you're right. Hyperhidrosis is very debilitating for patients. You might look at a patient's hand and you kind of pulls of sweat in their hands or mm -hmm. they have to change their shirt all the time mm -hmm. or they have to avoid yeah. certain colors so that the stains mm -hmm. aren't as noticeable it really takes a toll on patients the only downside with botox is once only the last three to four months two mm -hmm. is going to be costly to keep injecting a high number of units to say knock out the sweat in the armpit say and then three insurance isn't covered as readily anymore and so a lot of times patients have to pay out of pocket so almost economically it's not very reasonable so i, I it'd be good to keep looking into more options for patients that could be more permanent more economically mm -hmm. uh sound and so just procedural wise for Botox, does it hurt? Do people need like a lidocaine for it before? Typically not. I, yeah, we have numbing cream for fillers, which, you know, mm -hmm. it does help if you have it. Yeah, mirror dry, someone mentioned. That can actually give you a cure. It's, it is pricey, mm -hmm. uh, but the device, and it can also be painful, but it's actually a really good uh, device there. But and going back to pain for injections uh, for Botox, no, it's fine. I mean, it's just little pricks. I've had it done to myself. My patients do fine without any numbing cream. You have little blebs afterwards that last for up between five to 15 minutes. You might have some bruising, a little bit of swelling afterwards, but bruising, you know, usually around the, the crow's feet area, we inject uh, superficially there. And it has a little more fragile skin that can leave little bruises. For Probably the, more vessels, micro vessels. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So you might hit one of those. But, you know, it's uh, no big deal. You can definitely cover it up with any concealer makeup fillers though we do have yeah. people coming early to put on uh, numbing cream yeah and i think there's also some fillers that's already manufactured with lidocaine in it yep yeah, yeah. A lot I think of has, yeah. So it helps when you like the more you get into the session. So the initial few pokes in that particular area, we want to just kind of blunt it with the cream first. And mm -hmm. then, you know, the more you're working on, say, a particular, the numbing will kick in. Um, I think two days ago, um, Dr. Sigai posted something about fillers, how people think that you have gotten fillers <laughs> in the past. And I, know, I, I get the look. same comments and messages in my DMs <laughs> all the time. They would always sure. ask me, not to be offensive, but where did you get your fillers then where, yeah. where did you get it who's your doctor we need to know um, oh my gosh so like you said we are kind of blessed and favored in that aspect but for those who do want to augment their lips and accentuate their lip structure more we do have fillers just for those who don't know what are fillers how long do they last what are they for yeah, so fillers, those are, you'll be said, a little more painful. They're usually made from hyaluronic acid, which is that sugar that draws in water. We used to give collagen injections before, but I've seen some complications from that. Even people get allergic reactions to collagen injections. So we use hyaluronic acid, which is fairly safe if done by a trained professional injector. It lasts between, say, six to two, six months to two years, depending on what product you're using. I love doing lips because maybe I like, I, I have naturally big lips and so I yeah. like 
pumping everyone else's lips. Uh, you have some good lips too, Christian. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> in terms of the lip, I was thinking maybe now that we're wearing masks, people don't care about their mm -hmm. lips, but they actually do because of that Zoom phenomenon that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Someone did ask about how to prevent bruising with fillers. And that's so definitely it's something I say, when I tell all patients about fillers, just expect bruising, you know, no matter what. Botox is like, you might not get bruising, but fillers, expect the bruising, the swelling. You know, I usually say avoid alcohol for two to three days before your mm -hmm. injection. If you're taking ibuprofen optionally or aspirin, if you're not medically needing it, it's more for prevention, hold off on taking that a few days before because all those things, of course, will, you know, make you more prone to bruising and bleeding. No working out that day, icing mm -hmm. down the area you consider arnica totally fine those are the things i say to try to help minimize the bruising but a lot of times it's uh, inevitable also for yeah. fillers i remember in one of your videos you were talking about radius which is calcium hydroxyl appetite which is fillers not just for augmentation of lips but also very helpful medically wise for those who have hiv and buccal fat atrophy can you talk more about that doc yeah, so there's Sculptra, which is another, you know, popular one. Radius, we did a few times in residency. I don't do it in my practice now. Mm -hmm. I purely just hyaluronic acid. But, you know, people who are athletes, who are runners, they tend to have atrophy, especially in the temples or even the, the cheek area. The buccal mm -hmm. cheek area can get really sunken in. Mm -hmm. And people with HIV or advanced HIV mm -hmm. to even AIDS, they can even get those same areas of atrophy. And so they would have this options of fillers, especially Sculptra, which gives you very very long or even almost long lasting results from that. That's something that we do in our training. I don't do that now anymore, but very, mm -hmm. a very nice option for those who are very bothered by these areas that get sunken in. I use radius. I thought a really neat radius uh, indication while I was in residency was that I used it with the catheter or cannula mm -hmm. to for the back of the hands where that gets mm -hmm. sunken in with time and we're able to mm -hmm. augment that for patients. So wear sunscreen on the back of your hands, take care of those hands, you know, as much as possible, avoid those UV lamps or gel nails because mm -hmm. we've now seeing people getting skin cancers around the nails yeah. now. But anyways, protect those hands because we have used fillers on the back there, especially radius, to plump those up. Thank you so much for clarifying everything about Botox and fillers. I think Botox and fillers is one of the most common questions that people have sent me. Okay, wow, and, interesting. Yeah, and one of the questions that they asked was, can you tell if someone has gotten Botox or fillers? Yeah, yeah, you can. You <laughs> definitely can uh, at times. So Botox, I think you can get really subtle with Botox, mm -hmm. you know, um, but there are some celebrities like Nicole Kidman stuff, like here just totally frozen. And we can <laughs> tell in her movies that she's had it there. There's no you know, trying to move and make the frown and stuff. It's, it's not working. But, you know, fillers, it can be a, a slippery slope for patients. They have a standard, they want to hit that standard and mm -hmm. even surpass it each time. Your standards change every time and then you, you mm -hmm. just completely look like a different person. You know, a lot of times we do filler and the day after it's really swollen and then the swelling goes down and patients are like, I miss that swelling. I want that swelling next time. Yeah. So I feel like every time you want something more and more, you want to go bigger yeah. and you think it's better. And so that can definitely tell people are getting a little out of control and you can you say oh that person definitely has lip filler it doesn't look natural if i have my patients get to that point where i people can tell then i, I feel like i failed at my job so my yeah. thing is you can tell you feel better about yourself but your family shouldn't be able to say like oh you're seeing the dermatologist to get filler you want your lower lip to be bigger than your upper lip ideally right yeah. keep that ratio going and so if you ever surpass it where your upper lip just gets out of control then you can definitely tell people throwing out. Yeah, I know that YouTube video was, uh, that we made on the olive oil was funny. It got a lot of interesting comments. People who yeah. love olive oil or just some people just really hating on JLo for uh, lying to everyone. <laughs> it's, it's kind yeah. of entertaining. 
In the Philippines recently, they started using fillers as an alternative to rhinoplasty. Is that also done here? Yeah, you can definitely use fillers to contour the nose as well. Mm -hmm. On the dorsum, the bridge area, you can definitely help someone's profile with that. Got it. So very versatile, Botox yep, and exactly. fillers. Now, this next topic is something that's also very personal to me and seems to be very personal to a lot of people. I've had tens and tens of questions about this is acne personally i suffer with acne since eighth grade i believe i i first noticed some pimples here and throughout high school it was so bad you know those movies doc where high school movie and there's that one kid with full face full on acne <laughs> i was that guy it was oh. so bad pimples on top of each other and oh. it was so painful it was purple at times it would bleed out of nowhere my skin is not perfect now but you know through use of different ingredients that we have now and patience is a big thing it's gotten so much better but there's still a lot of people who suffer with acne especially those who are teens and even adult acne and for those who don't goodbye <laughs> but for those who have never um, suffered with acne or just people who want to know what is acne is it genetic is it stress derived you get it from chocolates yeah no this acne is a, a broad topic but i think you're hitting a lot of this there is a genetic component there's death so acne is uh the pathophysiology behind it is that there, there is a bacteria p acnes uh or c acnes now i think when i was in residency it was mm -hmm. p propionobacterium mm -hmm. acnes yeah. but there's a bacteria involved your pore pretty much the hair follicle opening and there's bacteria that is infected and it's causing inflammation and you're getting sebum oil production and it's feeding the bacteria and it's just in this nasty cycle here that causes an inflammatory lesion whether it's a juicy red bump a pustule a deep cystic bump or even just a clogged up pore from too much sebum and keratin and, and you get a whitehead or a blackhead and a blackhead is just keratin plugging up a pore and oxygen is just turning it black so it's oxidized keratin there's different acne lesions like we talked about there's comedonal acne which is whiteheads blackheads inflammatory acne which is the juicy stuff the stuff that can really scar you and the cystic acne which is just awful which sounds like maybe you had some of that when you mm -hmm. were in high school so that's a tougher one to treat because deeper down and that can yeah. really scar and cause really bad box car scarring mm -hmm. uh, which is some broad-based scarring that you can get on yeah. the face there's a genetic component for sure there's a dietary component potentially where some studies have shown cow's milk can cause mm -hmm. increased mm -hmm. uh, inflammation sebum production as well as high glycemic index foods like sugary mm -hmm. foods desserts sodas you know white rice white bread potatoes those mm -hmm. things can increase inflammation in your skin there's all these different things a part of it there's occlusive things like say athletes who have like helmets or hats or headbands or mm -hmm. you know like boy with who just loves resting his yeah. head on his hands all those things are occlusive you're not changing yeah. out your mask you're not changing out your pillowcase you're going to sleep mm -hmm. with makeup all those things that occlude your pores will lead to acne and then there's the hormonal component as well, which you yeah. see in teenagers and also in women, their late 20s and on, they can get hormonal acne, which is the U-shaped distribution here. Very stubborn acne to treat. Yeah. I had a friend who had a hormonal acne and she was placed on birth control pills and spironolactone in conjugation yes. with it. So when you have hormonal acne, you have too many androgen hormones circulating mm -hmm. and binding to your skin. And the classic example is PCOS, polycystic ovarian mm -hmm. syndrome, where you can get acne, usually lower mm -hmm. half of the face, unwanted facial hair, and also loss of hair on the scalp. And those are all manifestations of too much androgens, too many androgen mm -hmm. hormones. So what to do uh, in battling that and targeting those hormones is taking an oral contraceptive pill and you can lower the production of testosterone androgens. You get spironolactone that works with it to prevent those yeah. circulating hormones from binding to your skin or your hair to make your hair fall out.
and also binding from to your face causing acne. So that's, uh, they work together very well. You know, the only critique is that you're going to have to be on those things for a long time. It becomes tricky when there's family planning and you want to start a family. Definitely don't want to be on spironolactone if you're trying to start a family too. And going down from the face, body acne, mm. back acne, but acne, is it different from what's going on with the face? Is a whole different process going on? The way we attack it, is it different from the face? Yeah, it, it can. I think is there's definitely a lot of similarities, but in terms of having it on the back primarily, a lot of it is occlusive. So like mm -hmm. just having you laying back in a chair and you might be sweaty or you worked out and you didn't mm -hmm. change your shirt and you're just having dirty shirts sticking to the back and causing folliculitis. That's more of a mechanism that I think the occlusive mechanism. And then people love to talk about fungal acne on social media. Yeah. Fungal acne is not a real term, it's heterosporum amalocesia folliculitis. And I don't usually see that very often, but if I do see it, a lot of times it's on the body. So if you have mm -hmm. body acne that's itchy, every dermatologist is like, oh, cute. Think about the heterosporum like monomorphic bumps, right? Yeah, monomorphic bumps, they kind of look similar. They talk about itch. I can see it mm -hmm. in like young patients with long hair and wherever their hair kind of mm -hmm. ends and then that's where the acne ends. Then you can start thinking about, is it the yeast hiding in their scalp getting on their body? You know, that's mm -hmm. when I start thinking about fungal acne. Otherwise, when I do a regular consultation, I'm not going to be thinking like, you know, is that a checkbox? Make sure this isn't a fungal <laughs> acne. But that's usually not something we're, we're thinking about for facial acne. It, although fungal acne or this heterosporum folliculitis can happen on the face. It's just not very common. Yeah, I feel like 2020 was the year of fungal acne. Yeah. I, I feel like it's all over <laughs> YouTube, all over TikTok. People are asking, yeah. should I go on Perithione zinc or ketoconazole? Yeah, and it's nice like yeah. all over the internet. We get any questions about blackheads that you talked about, the oxidized things and our nose. Do you think pore strips help for that? So pore strips can help temporarily. Blackheads are just really stubborn. If you use a cream like, or like retinoid creams for blackheads, and a lot of people want quick results. You won't get quick results with, you know, your retinoid. If you're impatient, there. Uh, those pore strips i've used them and it's definitely not something you should do all the time mm -hmm. and it's something that if you just want to kind of get ahead of things but there are some that are pretty traumatizing to the skin so that's where mm -hmm. i say don't use your pore strips if you have an active juicy inflammatory mm -hmm. acne on your nose say and you're putting a strip over it that's a big no-no there I, okay i'll just say there's a charcoal nose strip that i've tried that oh my gosh i i tried it out because i was sent it and it really did rip the skin, the epidermis. We tried the same one. <laughs> yeah, so that, you know, you gotta be careful with, with them. I used to use it when I was in mm -hmm. med school and I didn't have time for a skincare regimen and just gives you like quick relief. You're like, all right, yeah. good, I'm back to like baseline or ground yeah. zero and then you just wait for it to get clogged up again. But now that I'm better at prevention, I don't have to use as much. So it's all about prevention, right? So retinoids mm -hmm. is not spot treatments for your entire face. You can incorporate a salicylic acid cleanser, which is a beta hydroxy acid that goes deep into the pores and cleans out your pores. That's something you can pair with your retinoid cream for blackheads. Chemical peels yes. I love too. Oh, yeah. chemical peels are great. Is it skinceuticals they use for VIPs? Yes, or? exactly. I use skinceuticals. So we have three different levels, salicylic acid with low glycolic, and then there's the advanced corrective if you want to work more on pigment. And then there's a TCA smart peel, mm -hmm. which, oh, my patients are mm -hmm. loving. We're using it for like hyperpigmentation, but it just gives you a nice resurfacing, smooth texture. Do you recommend peels with someone who have active acne? Good question. There are some patients who don't want to go on any oral medications and they rather mm -hmm. do peels. I don't usually mm -hmm. advise that, but if that's where we're at, then we can do it for mm -hmm. active acne. It's only temporary relief though, really. You got to try and control the inflammation ideally, and then follow up with peels when you're at mm -hmm. a good place and work on more of the scarring, the resurfacing. You have the occasional blackheads in your in your nose, you wanna clean that out. Definitely consider a peel, but usually not mm -hmm. something on my therapeutic ladder for treating active acne, it's not there. Mm -hmm. And outside clinical chemical peels, how often would you recommend someone 
or if you do recommend exfoliation at home? You could say maybe one to three times a week if you want to. <laughs> I actually maybe do it once every two to three weeks, really. Again, I do my peels like quarterly too. If you don't have peels, then maybe you want to exfoliate, you know, once a week. That's totally fine. But the days you are doing it, don't use your retinoid that day. You don't want to increase the irritation yeah. factor for sure. And just start slow, you know, don't do it on consecutive days. Space them mm -hmm. out when you're starting mm -hmm. off. Maybe do it like every Wednesday and then increase to like Tuesday, Thursday, something like that. And I think people ask because of the boom in the ordinary red. I don't know if it's an AHA or BHA peel. I've been seeing it everywhere. People face look like they're bleeding. <laughs> Is there a specific brand that you recommend or would suggest for yeah. at home? That's a good start. I'd say the ordinary, it is pretty powerful for an over-the-counter. Once I say be pretty careful with that one, mm -hmm. you know, Skin Better came out with these exfoliating pads that I right. really liked. I think they're probably one of the best ones I've ever done. Right. But Skin Better Science is a hard brand to come by. You need to be linked with a dermatologist who dispenses it. I have heard of people getting it online. I'm not sure how they do it without having a dermatologist mm -hmm. who can order it for them online, but they make good exfoliating pads. Uh, Crave Beauties. Have you tried their exfoliators? Uh, um, I think you sent me one. I'm not sure if that's the one you sent me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't that tried one, that one yet, though. Yeah, I have to yeah. review that. I tried it. It was actually pretty nice. So, I mean, these mm -hmm. K-Beauties actually really got their AHAs, BHAs down. And they don't feel like exfoliators, but they my skin feels so smooth after using them. And it kind of tricks me. I'm like, doesn't it feel like I exfoliated? It doesn't have that sting or tingle mm -hmm. like a traditional exfoliant. Like the ordinary vampire red peel solution, yeah. that really feels like almost like a miniature peel. But yeah, I think K-Beauty is actually pretty good. The Medicube line, they have exfoliants in like even their, uh, not just their cleansers, but also like their creams and such. And I did wear that today and it actually feels really nice without causing irritation. So I guess I should maybe focus more on like the gentle exfoliators with K-Beauty because I think they are maybe more sophisticated than we are. Well, and since we're talking about all of these brands, SkinCeuticals, Medicube, let's talk on skincare. Also 2020, everyone being at home is the year of everything. Year of fungal 100%. acne, year of TikTok and year of skincare even though we've been seeing 10 12 20 step korean beauty it's really last year that everyone's really delved into the concept yeah. of skincare can you take us through the journey of your skincare you told me something before that you used to use back in the day that traumatized me i cannot believe <laughs> it came out of a dermatologist's mouth oh yeah i mean definitely i've used saint eyes <laughs> i use hand soap to wash my face this is all in college i probably use my shampoo to wash my my face in college in Hawaii and I was definitely guilty of that and then I went to medical school I'm like oh, all right I'm gonna apply to dermatology I should maybe clean up my nose here and I got St. Ives I'm like oh this apricot scrub let's try this out and it, of course, just wrecked my skin. Yeah. And then I got into dermatology. I look back at pictures like, gosh, my pores were dirty still and stuff. And so I started learning. And you know, in dermatology residency, again, you're still focusing on medical yeah. stuff. You're not like, all right, let's go through a skincare regimen, guys. Mm -hmm. Let's let's talk. We actually don't go through that, you know, a lot in your in the beginning. You kind of pick it up as you talk about skincare with your patients and you're attending. There's no like skincare 101 when you start out dermatology yeah. residency. Just you just pick it up and you start seeing what works for your patients and yourself, what's causing skin irritation or contact dermatitis in your mm -hmm. patients. And then you formulate what works for you. So I went from no retinoids, nothing to, you know, to cleanser and a retinoid. That's what I started off with. We'd prescribe each other retinoids, uh, the, the cold mm -hmm. residents. We're all doctors, right? So I started off with tretinoin 0.05, which is a level above the intro 0.025. And I fell in love with that. I loved it. I was like, wow, this stuff is great. It keeps my pores clean, prevents acne. It makes my skin glow. I feel like I had 
more youthful skin. Also, of course, worked on my diet. My diet was awful mm. in Hawaii as a, a medical student from college. I ate just pure trash. Everything. <laughs> so working on, you know, hydration, working on exercise, diet, all those things help with collagen turnover. And, and so I think that's really helped as well. Things I can't prove. It's more like anecdotal. I'm like, all right, I look healthier. I feel healthier. I feel like I'm yeah. growing more. The tretinoin was great. And then now, uh, you know, after you graduate from residency, you have a little more money, you can buy nicer things, you get the nice mm -hmm. cleanser. I like Roche-Posay's line. Now that I'm in social media, it's probably the best my skin's ever been because I'm trying all these different products and I'm definitely keeping up with the retinoid. I'm definitely keeping up with sunscreen, which I started off in residency more regularly. It's kind of funny. I didn't wear sunscreen as much in Hawaii where I should have. And when I went to residency, I like knew better. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm cutting out skin cancers all the time. I'm wearing sunscreen more regularly in New England. Now it's definitely sunscreen. Even now, you know, even if I'm indoors, I wore sunscreen today mm -hmm. in dark, cloudy Seattle. And then I started a vitamin C serum last year. I, I would mm -hmm. do it every, I dabble in it. I, I knew what vitamin C serums did. And I just didn't feel like I had the time. I had two young babies. I didn't think yeah. I could incorporate a vitamin C serum, but I'm so glad I did. So I, I say, yeah. if you're in your twenties or thirties, definitely consider incorporating that in your morning routine. Um, you would cleanse, apply your vitamin C serum. You could moisturize if you're dry your sunscreen and then at night just cleanse and put your retinoid on and if you're dry you could put moisturizer on before or after and that's it that's really it the korean skincare lines i get sent those are fun i will do essences and toners and the mix it's really fun to do but they are treats i always say those are treats the masks luxuries. I, yeah I, yeah like i'll do it with my wife we'll like <laughs> after the end of the day we put the kids down like hey you want to do a sheet mask <laughs> yeah, we'll watch like a movie that people are talking about on netflix and that's it's not part of the daily routine but yeah. I'll do it. I have essences. I have toners from other companies that I will throw on every once in a while. I'm all about affordability. And really, yeah. if you're a parent, you got you to gotta keep it real, guys. You can't expect people to do these 10, 11 step uh, routines <laughs> on a daily basis if you're a parent with small children. Yeah, you can forget what to do next if it was 10 steps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And since you mentioned things like vitamin C, retinol, collagen, sunscreen, I do have five that flooded my DMs. And we can go through them quickly what okay. they are what they are for and if yep. there's any brands um that you recommend for that specific one and the first one that came up was hyaluronic acid you've yep. heard about this the whole year what is it doc yeah hyaluronic acid the natural carbohydrate that our skin makes it's mm -hmm. in a lot of products in our cleansers serums moisturizing creams the cosmetic fillers I'll inject into mm -hmm. your lips, mm -hmm. it draws in water. It's a water magnet, so it's a humectant. So it's really nice in your moisturizing creams because it'll help soak up water and retain it. And so the serums have really taken off. I actually only started using serums with the journey of social media. I actually wasn't using hyaluronic acid serums, mm -hmm. honestly, before. You know, that's a really nice thing to add in when you're really dry. It does mm -hmm. give yourself a nice plump. And, you know, as you get older, like you're getting your 30s like me, you're starting to get the lines and such. That's a really nice way to help plump and hide mm -hmm. them. But not all of them are the same. And that's why I like to post on like the things that are plumping for, you know, people my age or older because they're not all the same. Some are actually soothing. Like I like Vichy's yeah. Mineral 89 and that's a soothing that's... hyaluronic acid serum that when I do get irritated from putting on too much of this new stuff mm -hmm. I'm getting in the mail, that's soothing. So that has a purpose there. But in terms of plumping, I'd say that's where I would not get a few points. Hyaluronic acid comes in different forms. Great, great, safe ingredient. Someone had mentioned collagen. Collagen mm -hmm. studies are limited. They're small. We need larger studies. And the ones though, the, the studies that I I did read about they actually show collagen supplements increasing hyaluronic acid production mm -hmm. in your skin and increasing hydration which is really neat yeah. a pretty cool finding there but in terms of does it build collagen the jury's out on that still 
And people are asking also, if someone's face is oily, do they need extra hydration or moisturizers? If they're oily, definitely consider a moisturizer just to kind of with that feedback loop, you're not telling your skin, your oil glands to make more oil, sebum that could clog up your pores. So just keeping it at a nice equilibrium, a moisturizer is good, but you don't want to do anything too thick or occlusive. I do like Vaseline or Aquaphor for mm -hmm. dry skin, but if you have oily skin, maybe you want to hold off on something yeah. thick like that and it'll slug into wanted to ask you about slugging yeah yeah no i love i love those petrolatum ingredients and people ask me i think even you were worried about it at one point christian about putting on your face i know you <laughs> it, it actually isn't traditionally comedogenic but it is a legit concern because it could yeah theoretically it could clog up your pores with too much slugging you could close up those pores and cause more acne so you just got to be really careful with it like for me i'm more i don't slather my whole face yeah. before i might just put it like if you want a little glow, the celebrities put it here on the cheekbones yeah. before or after makeup. Like Zendaya is very popular. Mm -hmm. Came on and said that she likes to use that with her makeup. And then Marilyn Monroe would use Vaseline yeah. um, to glow up too. Um, I like to use on my lips, you know, around yes. the nose in the winter yes. time. Around my I wanted to say as a side note, like what you said earlier, Doc. I think I messaged you about Aquaphor when I had a 12-hour shift in the hospital because of the mask during the first rise of COVID here in New York and. I feel like that was the first week we were doing N95 masks for the whole 12 hours. So I was sweating under it. It's like I'm breathing through it for the whole 12 hours. And we were scars and masks that time, so we couldn't change them. And I showed you a picture of my face right after. It was just like inflamed. And the first thing you said was Aquaphor. I'm like, are you sure? It's not going to break me out. And for mask me people there, my secret actually is I layer my mask corners with a thin layer of Aquaphor. Cool. Of course, you change your mask as much as you can. And <laughs> I have noticed no inflammation after I put on a layer of Aquaphor. So thank That's you great. for that. Also for my lips as well, I tend to get really dry lips and Aquaphor is this can save her and I have told all of my friends about it. That's great. Yeah, no, I'm glad. Thank you for trusting me with that. And I'm glad you brought that up because some people would say, well, doesn't that mess with the seal of your N95 mask? Mm -hmm. I've actually done this on myself. And as long as you're not slathering a ton, it's really yeah. just a small amount goes a long yeah. way to make a protective mm -hmm. film mm -hmm. to prevent that frictional rubbing yeah. of your epidermis causing inflammation, irritation. It's a small amount. And if you let it dry, like I, I even timed, I said 12 minutes, really, it's like, mm -hmm. Not even yeah. much there, yeah. much of yeah. a greasy texture there. So it will keep your N95 seal fine, right? Yeah. yeah. Next one, vitamin C. Like you said, you just started last year. What is it? What is it for? What does it mean that it's glowing? It's an antioxidant. And what are your vitamin C recommendations, Doc? Yeah, so vitamin C, is, you can do it morning or night. I just say keep it simple. Do your retinoid for the nighttime. It has mm -hmm. a special place there. There are some formulations of retinoids you could do during the day. I like to keep it simple. Just always think of my retinoids at night. Vitamin C in the morning, like your orange juice, think vitamin C. Mm -hmm. Vitamin C comes in different forms. The purest, most active form is escort acid or L-ascorbic acid. They come in different formulations from like 4%, 5%, all the way up to 20%. I usually mm -hmm. say shoot between 10 to 20% for ascorbic acid. It should say that on the box or the, the ingredient list. Look for mm -hmm. it because if it's something else, like say Trader Joe's makes these like $8, $9 antioxidant serums. They're not ascorbic acid. They also throw in like retinol, retinol, all types of stuff yeah. all in one like cheap bottle. So I don't know what, how active those ingredients are, but ascorbic acid is just an example of a good beginner's vitamin C serum. 
a CeraVe's 16 to 20 dollar vitamin C serum. Love I think Cerave. it's great for beginners. <laughs> it's really nice and moisturizing. It's not the most sophisticated. So I'm not saying, hey, this is better than CE Ferulic Skin Ceuticals, but this is a nice start for if you're just starting off. And this is where I started off and I really liked it. The critique behind vitamin C though, or ascorbic acid is that it's very unstable with mm -hmm. heat, with light, the packaging matters, where you store it matters. Mm -hmm. You could put it in a fridge if you want, if you had a skincare fridge or what have you, but no, who does that really? Who has one? So I like yeah. to keep it in a dark area. If you have those dropper bottles, definitely keep it tightly sealed. Don't leave it out in, you know, in a brightly lit room because once it starts changing color, it's starting to signal saying, telling you that it's oxidizing. Once it oxidizes, yeah. the potency goes down and it gets to the point where it can be kind of disgusting because thick orange yeah. serum, you don't want to yeah. be putting that on your face at that point. It, why do we care? It's an antioxidant. Vitamin C is an antioxidant. It helps fight free radicals from the sun, from pollution, and it helps you from getting free radical damage that can cause aging. You know, the aging process involves like your collagen breakdown. You have collagenases that eat up collagen in your second layer. So you're just trying to help lighten those brown spots. Some of these vitamin C serums we're hoping can influence the dermis to make more collagen. And so new studies are coming out with like newer derivatives from L-ascorbic acid, trying to make yeah. it more stable so it can go down to the second layer. I also have like Naturium's vitamin C complex. Sure, yeah. Really like that one. It's really good and affordable. It's 20 bucks at Target. Something I've been impressed with. I like Vichy's, Ampules, like mm -hmm. the dropper. So those are 10 to 15% ascorbic acid. I've like May Love's Glowmaker, yes. which yeah. is another 15%er. That's the, the dupe or SkinCeutical C for like, which is the greatest of all time. Has all the clinical studies backing it up. It's the most expensive. Yeah. Though. Yes, I do use C-Ferulic, but nice. it's, it's quite pricey. I've been using it for the past three years. I must say that it's really amazing, the C-Ferulic, but oh, yeah. You're, yeah. But you were talking yeah. about more affordable vitamin C dupes and alternatives. Now, how long does your C-Ferulic last, Christian, before it starts to turn orange or yellow? Um, for a while. A while, uh, lasts a while then. And I usually pay attention to how long you should keep the bottle. It's so clear, like for such a long, I probably had my bottle for how many months now and it's still the same color that's good, that's um, good there was a brand that i used prior and in just i don't know if i should say it, but in just a month it literally like oxidized and i'm like yeah okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly one. yeah so you know that was my critique for cerevees that it does change color quickly and but on the website i was reading they said six months is probably when you, where you want to use it up in six months, but definitely change its color well before six months. So just yeah. keep an eye on that, yeah. keep it in a nice cool area. But the E and ferulic yeah. acids to help keep it stable too, yeah. the vitamin yeah. E and the ferulic acid. That's why um, those are nice things to have in like your skin ceuticals, yeah. those additional ingredients. So some people can't tolerate vitamin C mm -hmm. and some people actually get acne breakouts from vitamin C and I totally believe yeah. that's possible. So it's not for everyone. So just, you know, start off with something low, like 10% ascorbic acid and see how it goes. And next up, nice Niacinamide, the ordinary niacinamide, this white bottle going all across Instagram. What is niacinamide? People have asked, do you recommend niacin? <laughs> do, you re do you recommend niacinamide? And I saw your live earlier. Yeah, niacinamide's uh, vitamin B3. It's a nice thing in your skincare routine or your products because it helps with, it's anti-inflammatory, helps with acne. There are studies behind this that prove that it can help with acne. It's just great. It can work on even your dark spots now, they're saying. So it can lighten brown 
spots, lots of different benefits. And people have really flocked to making more niacinamide serums. I like niacinamide in my products, to be honest. Yeah. And I like my sunscreens that have it like Elta MD UV clear. Dermatology is a cheaper mm -hmm. dupe to Elta MD. They make good sunscreens mm -hmm. that have niacinamide in it. Cleansers like CeraVe, mm -hmm. La Roche-Posay, their foaming mm -hmm. cleansers will have niacinamide in it. Mm -hmm. And you could just have a straight alone niacinamide, you know, 10% serum, which I've tried some. I've tried Naturium's one. It was fine. Mm -hmm. I've tried Maylove niacinamide serum. Mm -hmm. But I've been having a lot of my patients, and I maybe just because so many of them are buying it, is the, the ordinary niacinamide serum. People are getting really mm -hmm. bad irritation. I made a video yeah. about this, and a lot of people yeah. came out and said, hey, this happened to me. I'm seeing really bad rashes to it. So I don't want to dump on the ordinary. They're, they're affordable. I, I'm all for affordable skincare. I bought it the other day. I'm actually kind of scared yeah. to try it out. But just because <laughs> everyone else is talking about it, I feel like it's only fair I try it out. But I'm a little yeah. nervous, to be honest, uh, just yeah. because I've seen a lot of patients mm -hmm. in clinic with issues from that particular product. Yeah. So far, I'm not very impressed with their their retinols either. Mm -hmm. Their dropper yeah. retinol, oily yeah. retinols. I don't know. Have you yeah. tried them, Christian? I actually have never tried an ordinary product. Yeah. I think I'm so used to my product. Which is another question is, do you recommend switching up skincare like every month, every year or whatnot? Yeah, uh, I think switching up the skincare brands, you mean? Yeah, skincare brands. Yeah, for, like, yeah. If people want to try out different things. Yeah, matching skincare mm -hmm. brands because there's no perfect brand. Whenever you use up your, you know, moisturizer cleanser, you can definitely hop mm -hmm. on the TikTok or Instagram and say, hey, what, what would work <laughs> for my skin type? You know, I have oily skin. Maybe I want that foaming cleanser instead of the hydrating cleanser. You know, so you switch it up and, you know, there's a lot of overlap between the brands, but I try to mix it up too on my posts as well. Mm -hmm. And I think Eucerin does a great job for body yeah. moisturizers. I think mm -hmm. CeraVe does a good job with it cleansers and moisturizers and while being affordable I think La Roche-Posay does a great job with their mm -hmm. sunscreens yes. I like dermatology sunscreen they yes. also have a pretty awesome advanced CE Ferulic that I mm -hmm. have tried but it is a higher price point 70 bucks but yeah I actually like yeah. it you know the sky's the limit for these things I think the yeah. underrated brand that I need to talk more about is Vanity Cream yes uh, which is great yes. for sensitive skin and i wanted to yeah. do some more posts on yeah. that cream because i think they don't get mentioned enough and it's great for my patients mm -hmm. with sensitive skin you're right it's an underrated brand and a lot of people actually vouch for vanity cream yes yes yeah definitely have to talk about that more and this this ingredient i think this can be the end all be all you have a video on it called every dermatologist secret retinoids is it anti-aging does it reverse time on our faces and our skins yeah give the crown to retinoids um, for sure for anti-aging i love the retinoid creams there are a vitamin a derived cream that you can use for many purposes the so retinoid is the umbrella term the category of all of these different retinoids. There's over-the-counter, which is retinol, which is very common and accessible with all these different brands making retinols. There's retinol, retinol palmitate, retinaldehyde, which is the stronger form of the over-the-counter retinoids. Retinol is not as potent as the prescription, say tretinoin, like you mentioned, 0.05% baby. Yep, that's a good one. That's where I started. So tretinoin <laughs> is retinoic acid, and that's like ready to go. It's in its active form, ready to go and throw punches. Like I said, retinol has to go through a few conversion uh, steps before becoming retinoic acid. It has to become retinaldehyde, then become retinoic acid. And you start playing with the big boys here on this side. Tretinoin, tazeratine, adapalene, 0.3%. There's different other ones, newer generations that have come out, like a clean or triferritine mm -hmm. has come out more recently. It definitely helps with acne. It helps clean out your pores. Your pores mm -hmm. can have keratin shedding into the, the lining and it can help keep that hyperkeratinization from happening in the pore, keeping your pores mm -hmm. clean. And that's why I say it's preventative. You don't want to just like spot treat acne. It's like 
putting on your entire face mm -hmm. to keep your pores. And then there's the lightning brown spots. It helps with mm -hmm. skin cell mm -hmm. turnover and it helps with lightening those sunspots that I've had from Hawaii and I was able to lighten them with chemical peels. And then the third thing is it helps with aging. It, helps, it tells your fibroblasts and your second layer of skin, your dermis to make more collagen and it can thicken up your epidermis too. So those myths mm -hmm. that people want to like comment on my posts at least once a day saying, <laughs> what, it thins out your skin. I would say, no, it does not. It does the opposite. It actually helps to give you more of that youthful bounce we talked about before. Yeah. So it's great. Don't use it if you're pregnant. You know, people mm -hmm. might say you can use it for breastfeeding some other docs. One even said on my post, like, why are you saying you can't use it for breastfeeding? I tell patients that all the time. It's fine. Well, I, I can't find studies saying it's safe. Real, you know, like there's probably a small amount of it going systemically mm -hmm. from your skin, mm -hmm. transepidermally. I don't want to take any chances. I think yeah. less is more when you're pregnant or breastfeeding, yeah. you know, a precious child for sure. Yeah. So I say even breastfeeding, I would hold off. Sorry, moms, you guys make the biggest sacrifice of, of all of us. And I say you have to hold off when you're pregnant or breastfeeding actually retinoids is a very controversial topic it actually is i was surprised how controversial it was especially you know when we had that thing about accutane and stock there's the guy was flooded <laughs> with comments i knew that we had to give the crown to retinoids for the skincare <laughs> talk and talking about collagen stimulation from retinoids charmicornium being peeled off new layer brought up do you think it's comparable to collagen supplements someone was asking or do those even work there's a lot of collagen uh, yeah. here and there now. right yeah it's a good question i don't think collagen supplements are definitively going to give you the benefits retinoids do mm -hmm. it would be nice if we prove that in larger mm -hmm. studies but you know if you look at it conceptually like taking whole collagen or collagen peptides it gets broken down into like amino mm -hmm. acids in your gut mm -hmm. does it go into your bloodstream and rebuild the dermis this glue this collagen glue that's like kind of a stretch for me to think about how if it can really do that yeah. but there are people who believe in it and i think that's great yeah. it helps with your hair your nails your mm -hmm. skin that's great you know what i when i read about collagen supplements it's more gi just upset or bloating mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. nothing really dangerous taking it i think someone had mentioned before ehlers downloads if you had a collagen disorder mm -hmm. you know you could consider that but i don't think there's anything that evidence-based to say that's going to help you if you have a collagen disorder mm -hmm. but it seems like a okay thing for my patients to do i won't tell them to get off of it like biotin i have to you know warn patients mm -hmm. about the high dose biotin that it can mm -hmm. mess with your thyroid labs it can give you yeah. falsely high t3 t4 yeah. levels and falsely low TSH, which can give you mm -hmm. a false diagnosis of Graves' disease or mm -hmm. hyperthyroidism. So mm -hmm. that can be a concern for sure. And also, you know, troponin levels, you as a RN, you dealing with troponin yeah. levels yeah. is very yeah. crucial to get those labs drawn on a cardiac, a potentially cardiac patient. Yeah. And if it masks or, low, you know, uh, MI or myocardial mm -hmm. infarction, mm -hmm. the heart the troponin, yeah, it hides mm -hmm. the, the, you know, lowers the, falsely lowers troponin levels. That's yeah. dangerous for sure. Is yeah. that really worth it? Yeah. And the jury's out on the, the evidence behind biotin too. So I don't routinely yeah. recommend that. That I'll mm -hmm. even say like consider going off of it or definitely going mm -hmm. down and consider mm -hmm. a hair supplement like Viviscal or something with like yeah. small amounts of all these nutrients. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'd say for collagen supplements, I don't see anything right now dangerous. Like mm -hmm. biotin could be dangerous potentially. Got it. Got it. And how can we end the lie without talking about the one ingredient or the one part of the skincare that will render everything else useless without it, which is sunscreen. <laughs> Dr. Sagai, 
what I love about him is he's a big proponent of sunscreen, also in relation, not just avoidance of wrinkles or whatnot, but skin cancer. Dr. Sugai is very passionate when it comes to skin cancer. He's done a series on his YouTube. I really believe that the idea of sunscreen or the use of sunscreen is also something that's very controversial. Some people don't believe in it. Some people think that it's toxic. What do you think, Doc? Yeah, so those those claims, I think, are pretty dangerous on on TikTok, I'm getting that, that, you know, they're saying sunscreen causes cancer. There's no evidence that it does that. You know, if you're worried about the chemical ingredients, I feel you, you know, I don't, I don't want to go on fear mongering saying, hey, chemical sunscreens run, run the other direction. I use chemical sunscreens for sure. But when they came out with that report that it is absorbed into your bloodstream with limited use and is found in your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Yeah, I agree. And do we know the long term effects from it? No, we don't. But right now, what we do know is that it's safe to use for now. You know, there are some parents who are hurting and actually worried that it's neurotoxic. Talking to mm-hmm. my neurology colleagues, they have not mm-hmm. found that it is harmful. You know, I've even mm-hmm. talked to epileptic mm-hmm. specialists, and they say that's not on their radar right now, chemical ingredients in their sunscreens. If you want to be safer, you know, you want to feel better, peace of mind, you can consider the mineral sunscreens, the zinc oxide or titanium mm-hmm. dioxide sunscreens, and they are reef safe for sure. They talk about reef safe is going to be a new label. You're going to be seeing a lot more now. Now that Hawaii, my home state of Hawaii is now banned, oxybenzone mm-hmm. and octanoxate. Mm-hmm. There are laboratory settings where these ingredients can bleach coral, damage coral life. But in the real world, people argue like, how much is it really affecting the coral when it's getting washed off the body? And is it really getting on the coral? That's hard to prove, but for now, it's banned. Respect the Aina or the land, respect the state's laws. You know, these things aren't even water resistant anyway, so you shouldn't even be yeah. jumping in the water with stuff like this with octanoxate anyway. So yeah. go with something that's reef safe, that's water resistant, 40 to 80 minutes graded. So that's my thing on, on sunscreen. You know, you want it to block UVA and UVB light because yeah. both of those things can contribute to risk of skin cancer through DNA damage. And when you have DNA damage, you're going to get squamous cell carcinoma, basal cell carcinoma, Mm -hmm. melanoma that can kill you. Thank you so much, Doc, for all the wisdom you have given to us tonight. And before we end the live, I have something very exciting for you and for everybody. It's our ending portion that I would like to call rapid fire. So... I will have a timer for one minute and nice. I will say different statements that people have sent me in my DMs. They are skincare myths or okay. whatnot. You'll just say if it's true or false or myth or fact. And oh, let's see, gosh. Okay. how many can we get up to in one minute? Some of okay. them are very controversial. So, oh, I'll no. let you, so I'll let you have a pass on certain things. <laughs> just drinking okay. water. <laughs> <laughs> so I can say pass if it's too much then, okay. If, if it's too controversial for you, you can say pass or okay. not. True or false. Start now. I need to exfoliate every day. No, or false. Darker skin tones also need sunscreen. Yes, true. Hair, skin, and nail vitamins are proven to improve growth. False. Radio frequency microneedling for scars is worth it. Yes, if you have the money. Toothpaste will kill a pimple. Oh, don't use it. Uh, it might, but don't use it. Detox drinks work. Detox drinks work? I mean, maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I can safely pop a pimple at home. Don't do it. False. Semen clears the skin. Semen? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, false. Often wearing a hat causes hair loss. Uh, it, there is a constrictive component, so there is a truth to that. Eye creams are useless. False. Tea bags can eliminate wrinkles. 
Uh, potentially, potentially. Oh, yes. Got there's, there's it. Thank of, like, you so much, Doc. You didn't say pass to anything. I know. Yeah. Um, Doc, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I appreciate everything that you do on the internet, educating people, spreading news about evidence-based skincare, and just being an inspiration to a lot of people, especially and specifically for me too. Yeah, no, thank you guys. Thank you all. I really love you all. You guys are all great, so positive. You know, I really wish I could actually meet a lot of you in person because you guys are just, you can tell, great people. So thank you for tuning in. Um, but thank you so much to Christian, who's just really been like my social media guardian angel he's like a really special person really good person what he's doing during this pandemic is amazing you know you are you are the frontliner and you're exactly. you're ending it all or hopefully it's the end is with with giving vaccinations which i think is amazing just for you to do that so you putting yourself out there you're going to school you want to you know become a physician and you know even if you choose to do a different path i'm still super proud of you <laughs> and thank you for all of your help with my journey because you're a big part of it you're like a huge part of it so thank that's why i'm proud to have you as my my youtube manager i see christina here <laughs> um yes thank you christina for your help as well the a team for sure and hopefully you know the the youtube continues to grow and we still have a good time i, I always say i want to keep doing this until the spark is gone and the spark's definitely there and i'm having a great time so thank yeah. you so much for everything you've the done. The spark uh, and the glow is still there in your yes. face, Dr. <laughs> yes. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Doc.